You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Well, grateful to be with you guys this morning. Uh, Happy Sunday. Welcome to Reality Honolulu. We're grateful you would join us. Uh, My name is Riz, the pastor here at Reality Honolulu. If I haven't met you yet, welcome. And we're glad that you would join us here this morning. Uh, So we are going to get into the Word of God this morning. We're going to open it up, read it, allow God to speak to us. And so if you can open your Bibles, if you have one, to Philippians chapter 2. Our text this morning is going to be verses 5 through 11. Uh, If you do not have a Bible, totally okay. We have Bibles uh, on either of these tables right here. You can go grab Use it for today, or if you want to take it home, it's yours to keep as well. But if you've been with us, you'll know that we have been in a almost two months series in the book of Philippians, where we're going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through this letter that the Apostle Paul has written to this young church in the city of Philippi, hence the name Philippians. And we've just been walking through and just a few verses a Sunday, reading them, praying over them, and just digging in a little bit of like what we can glean from this. Because as you know, well, if you don't know, you do now, uh, that we are reading an historical document. This is an actual letter written by an actual person to an actual people group, but it was written over 2,000 years ago in a very different culture and a very different time in the world. And so some some of this that we're going to read is very specific to them, But a lot of it can be applied to us today in our own context with us, even though we're in a very different place and space in time. But again, as we read these few verses before I pray, just know that this is the Apostle Paul writing this letter from actually jail, currently in Rome, to this letter uh, to this church in Philippi. And so for context's sake, Uh, I'm going to expand the reading just to verse 1 through 11. And so Philippians 2, 1 through 11, again, Paul speaking, he says this. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other loving one another and working together with one mind and one purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. And then our verses for today, Paul starts off by saying, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. And at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow 
in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have it in front of us today to read, to to hear you speak through. Because what we see throughout your word is that we understand that it's living and it's active and it's profitable for us, for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training us in righteousness so that the man or woman of God would be adequately equipped of, for every good work. And Lord, when we, when we look at uh, your te- the, the word today in this text, spe- specifically having the same attitude as Christ Jesus when it comes to humility and how we view ourselves, God, we want to be open to being lovingly confronted with areas where we don't do these things. Right? That's the beauty of your word. You love us enough to, to make us more into your image and, and allow us to see maybe where we're at fault or where we need to grow. And we want to receive that from our Heavenly Father this morning. We want to be a people that follow Jesus, that are committed to the way of Jesus, and in that, like Paul is, is, is declaring that we would have that same attitude. We would model Christ in the way that we also live. So we thank you, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you haven't read much of Paul or you haven't read much of the letter to the Philippians, what you'll notice, what you have to understand, is that one of Paul's strengths when he was writing when he's penning all these letters. He did a lot of them to specific churches or specific pastors or just in general to Christians, right? What he would do a lot of the times is he wouldn't just tell you something kind of normally. He had the gift of persuasion. He would persuade or he would try to persuade those inside and outside of the church to be confronted with the person of Jesus, What he always did in his letters was he was trying to communicate who the person of Jesus was, but it was he was trying to do it in a very like persuasive way. And to try to really get to the heart of matters and get people's attention, really get them thinking. And a lot of his goals of his letters was to illuminate or to recall who Jesus was and the significance for every single human being. Jew or Gentile, free or slave, man or woman, Paul crossed every barrier that you knew back then in ancient times to try to get everyone's attention of who Jesus was and what it meant for them. And when he did that, his, his whole point was that in light of who Jesus was, that people would come to discover or they would come to a conclusion that they were made to be with him and follow him and be transformed by him. Paul's whole goal of starting churches and raising up leaders of churches and preaching the gospel and writing these letters was that so that people would come to know Jesus and it would change their life because Jesus changes lives. And what Paul does again here, even though he knows a lot of these believers, he spent time, he he helped start this church, 
Again, this is one of his last letters that he would write to them, or he, he at least thought this would maybe be his last letter. What Paul does again today in this section is just present the truths of Jesus. This is who Jesus was. This is who he was. So in light of that, again, Paul's not trying to convince them on his own. He's just trying to present the case of Jesus and said, so because of that, what do you think we should do now? How do you think we ought to live? But, like I just prayed, Sometimes when Paul presents these truths, or when the Bible in general presents truths about who God is and how we're to live into that, it can be confronting. Because it can be really challenging, or maybe it can be counterintuitive, because, right, the world that we live in, the brokenness, sin-filled, broken world that we live in does not line up, and we've grown up a certain way, and we act a certain way, and so when we're confronted with the person of Jesus, it can be challenging, right? And when Paul would do this, when Paul would preach, and when he would teach, and when he would write these letters, right, when people were confronted with the truth of Jesus, they either believed or they didn't believe, right? Some didn't believe, but some did. And those that did believe the words that Paul said of who Jesus was and what it meant for them— Right? They began to experience life-transforming truths, knowing the person of Jesus. Their lives began to be changed, forever changed, right? Experiencing love and joy and peace and hope like never before. And I think for many of us, we resonate. We resonate to when we first heard about Jesus, or when we came to know him, or when we believed we begin to experience a different way of life. If, you're, if you come to know Jesus and your life doesn't change, there's problems, big ones. I think we're missing. We're missing the story. We're missing the purpose. We're missing what the full picture of what God, through the Holy Spirit, through his word, does in our lives. But again, so this is like the big context of Paul. But again, once again in this section, Paul does the same. He uses the example of Jesus' life to spur on the followers of Jesus, which in today's case for most of us would be us in this room. But he uses the examples of Jesus to spur on the followers of Jesus to live up and into the life of Jesus themselves. It's a call to action. Using Jesus' life as the model example. And so if I could sum up the section today, it would be that Paul is attempting to encourage and spur us on through adoration and emulation. Right? So adoration would be is this is what Jesus did. Look at how amazing he is. Look at his model example. Like that would be point one. This is what Jesus did. But in light of that, point two would be we should do the same. We should emulate. Like, this is who Jesus is. This is how he acted. This is how humble he was. This is how gracious and giving and generous and sacrificial he was. Wow. We adore you, Jesus. But in light of that, as followers of Jesus, we're to emulate. We're to be like Jesus was. And I, and I pound this hard in because it helps me. But if you call yourself a Christian... 
what you're saying is I am a little Christ. It's the word. So if you say you're a Christian, you're saying, I'm supposed to be like Jesus. But again, Christ, the term Christian is just like, you know, it's, it's become very like watered down, very cultural, or there's some parts of obviously even our own country that's like, oh, Bible Belt. It's like everyone's Christian. You're like, dude, you just watered down the term so hard. But if you call yourself a Christian, you're saying you're a little Christ. And if you say you're a follower of Jesus, you're a disciple, and a disciple emulates their teacher. That's what a disciple does. A disciple is an apprentice. You learn what your teacher tells you. So in our case, King Jesus, rabbi, our rabbi, our teacher is Jesus. And so we emulate his life. So the first point here. This is what Jesus did, this idea of adoration. Paul starts talking all about Jesus in these verses, right? And what we believe, and what Paul illuminates here, is that Jesus is God. He is God in the flesh. He is God incarnate, we call it. He is the Son who came to earth to restore a relationship between us and the Father. And all of his life and ministry and death was all out of obedience to his heavenly father for the sake of saving the world. This is who we believe about Jesus. This is what the word of God tells us about Jesus. And if there's anyone that deserved to be worshipped, like for literally forever by all of creation, who was totally sinless and perfect and free from all the consequences of sin and the brokenness of this world, it was Jesus. Like, right, he, if there's anyone that deserved to be worshipped forever by all of creation, it was Jesus. To live on his heavenly throne for all of eternity, rightful place. But instead, out of love, what did God do? What does John 3.16 tell us? For God so loved the world that what did he do? He sent his only begotten son into the world. Why? So that we would be saved. Jesus' whole life and ministry and death was all a rescue mission. It was all God's plans and purposes to save the whole world. But Jesus had to step out of his divine position to do that into sinful creation. Again, this is what Paul is saying in these verses. And so what that means practically that Jesus did that, that God sent Jesus into the world, is that he left heaven to enter into earth for 33 years, enduring all of the junk that we have to endure and much more. Like he even had to endure being like a baby and a kid and like learning everything and like learning how to go to the bathroom and eat and like family dynamics he had to deal with, with Mary and Joseph. And he had to learn how to be a carpenter. Like there's all these human tasks that he did. Even though he was fully God, he was also fully man. That's what we also believe. But not only that, not only like the normal life hardships of being human did God in the flesh have to endure in the person of Jesus. But he also had to endure, as we know very well in the Gospels, slander, mocking, hatred. He was arrested. He was brutally tortured and publicly executed. At that time, it was Rome's most painful type of execution. 
was crucifixion. This is what God endured through the person of Jesus Christ on our behalf. Did he deserve any of it? No, he deserved none of it. He shouldn't really have had to, to go through that. But again, it was out of the love of the Father's heart that Jesus obeyed his Father's will and he endured it all. One of these the famous scenes is in the Garden of Gethsemane on the eve of the crucifixion, on the eve of his arrest. And he was so, like, burdened by what was about to happen that he, he prayed in the garden. And you know this story, Matthew 26. And three times Jesus prayed to his Father, like, if this cup should pass for me, please. Meaning, like, if there's any way I don't have to die on a cross in this manner, like, please, God. But then he followed it up by saying, but not my will, but your will be done. Jesus was obedient to the Father's will on behalf of saving the world. And Paul is bringing this up. He's talking all about the obedience of Jesus the humility of Jesus, enduring all that he did on behalf of humanity. And Jesus did all this so that we would be reconciled with God once again. You know, if we went down to, like, kids' church right now, and I asked all of the kids, including mine, and then he said, hey, why, why did Jesus die for you? Probably the Sunday school answer is to forgive your sins. I'd say, okay, but that was actually just a means to an end. What is the ultimate purpose of why Jesus died for you? Was to repair a relationship. Sin was the thing that broke the relationship. You got to fix the sin. You got to forgive the sin. You got to get that out of the way to restore a broken relationship with humanity and our perfect heavenly father. Jesus came as a restorer of relationships. That's why God cares about relationships so much. Like, it's at the core of his being. That's why he's like, fights for things to be restored and renewed and forgiveness and grace. And that's what he does. That's why, like, Christians are all, try to, as much as we can, try to fight for, like, relational wholeness. Because it's at the core of the gospel. It's at the core of the gospel. But throughout all this, right, Paul's point because this is what he's doing in these like five verses. They're power-packed of theology. Like just going after the person of who Jesus was. Paul's point though is that Jesus is the king of kings. Right? So who, who the entirety of creation should worship as Lord and Savior. We should all bow down to him before him for what he did for us. But again, if anyone deserves status and exaltation and reason to boast, it would be him, Jesus, but instead, how did Jesus go about living those 33 years? Instead, Jesus' posture and his ethos and, and really like who he was was full of humility and kindness and love and other-centeredness and obedience to his Father's will above his own. It was full of giving and generosity and sacrificial love. Like you look at the person of Jesus, and he was so not this boastful, arrogant, full of himself, I deserve everything type of person. That is not in the character of Jesus while he was here on earth. Paul is making this point. Do you see the humility that Jesus had when he walked, even though he was fully God and deserves praise forever? Look at what he endured. 
He was the model example of how to live. And so Paul then hits it home. I don't know if you caught verse 5. He said, in light of all that, how Jesus acted and how he was, we should have the same attitude Christ Jesus did. Right? This is where that, that idea of emulation comes up. We should do the same. So what does that mean? Because we weren't Jesus and we weren't in Israel and we didn't do the same things we did. We didn't, we're, that's not, how do we do that? Well, I mean, the real obvious things that I can think of is as Christians, right, little Christs, we should be free of entitlement. Like just, like not be entitled people. At any age, even from a young age, we can struggle with entitlement. I deserve this. Because of all these things or who I am or my accolades, I deserve this. And so entitlement really easily can creep into anybody's life. If there's anyone that was, should have been entitled, it was Jesus, but he wasn't. So in light of that, we're to be free of entitlement. Free of pride. Pride comes before the fall. There's a reason. <laughs> Right? Our life should be a life, again, we're works in progress, so it's not like I'm saying you got to be perfect. I said we're just trying to strive towards a life that isn't prideful. Like in everything we do, like we, our life is not supposed to be characterized by, like we're full of ourselves and we're prideful. That's just not the way of Jesus. We should be free of exalting ourselves. Instead, we should exalt God and prefer one another above ourselves. Right? Verse 5. Have the same attitude as Christ Jesus did. Right? This is our goal. Like, uh, what, we, what we want to strive for, what we want to live into is a humble, sacrificial, giving, generous, kind life like Jesus had. And I think for a lot of us, right, like anyone would want to have that type of life. But I think for some of us, though, we may want this, but we may struggle, to be honest, with self-awareness. This might hit home a little bit, so... But we may not, to be honest, for a, like for a lot of us, we may just not be aware of how we're coming off. Like, it happens a lot to all of us. Like, all of a sudden, like, you know, we go throughout life, and then someone that's close to us, or a coworker, or a friend, or whatever, says, hey, man, you were, like, really irritable, or you were really this, or you were like, do you understand, do you see how you're coming off? And you're like, oh, no, I really didn't, so thanks for saying something. But I think... Like, a very practical test of, of this is when you're in a conversation with others. Again, this is going to get really practical. But I hope it will help you and me in life. How much do you talk about yourself or ask questions about the other person? Next hour conversation you have with someone, just in the back of your head, be mindful of the time split. Again, the reason why I bring this up, because I think a lot of Christianity, we're trying to become these certain things, but I think some of us, we just lack self-awareness. So we're just not aware how we're coming off, and if we don't have these loving people in our life, we'll just continue this trait. 
So the question that I have this morning is, how are we coming off to others? If someone were to describe us, would they say, oh, that person, that guy just is a know-it-all. Thinks he knows everything. He thinks he's living their life to the best, and there's no room for them to be wrong. I would say, if that's true, I'm like, oh, that's dangerous, because I don't think that's the way of Jesus, because we're all going to make mistakes. <laughs> we all don't have it together. So is our life that way? Or is it humble and real and authentic and relatable? Because the way of, the way of Jesus isn't just these huge ethereal concepts they can, but for all of us, they're daily. They're daily. They're the email. They're the conversation. They're the text message. Like, that is the way in which we interact with people these days. So how are we coming off? How are we coming off? Are we coming off humble with the same attitude of Jesus? Or are we at least, we, are we at least we trying to live into that? Or are we not even aware or we don't even care? All right, there's two ends of the spectrum. But again, here's the point. Here's the questions as I kind of land the plane. Do we, if we want to take some stock of our life, do we walk in generosity towards others? Do we, do we just give ourselves to others, whether that's time or money or... Like, are you generous? Are we generous? Are you full of grace? Like, do you, do, are you, do you extend grace? Are you more often extending grace, or are you more often extending judgment? It's real easy to judge, but it's real hard to extend grace. I'll say that. But again, the way of Jesus is to extend love and grace because we've been extended love and grace when we don't deserve it. Right? It's all gospel-centered. Sacrificial love. Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners. While we were in, we had animosity towards him, he died unconditionally because he loved us. Are we sacrificially loving those in our life as well? Again, I'm not saying dying for them necessarily, but there's so many opportunities in our lives to love someone when it costs us or despite what we get out of it. Right? There's, you have opportunities like endless because we all have relationships. We all interact. We all have responsibility. We all have people we come in contact with. So they're all opportunities to have the same attitude that Jesus did. And if you're sitting here and you're like, wow, this is new or ooh, I didn't think about this before or if I was honest and... I am struggling, then I would, I would want us to all ask a deeper question. So if perhaps we are struggling with pride or arrogance or boasting in ourself, the deeper question is, why is that? Why? What is it that is causing those tendencies or those attitudes? What's, what's, the, what's the underlying factor? Like, why do you think you have to come off that way? Or why can't you be wrong? Or why, why do you have to know it all? Like, what is that reason? There's a deeper meaning. or There's a deeper, deeper reason for that. And as we enter into a time of worship, this is why we have this second set of worship, is to spend time, like, praying over these things and, like, 
thinking about them or journaling them or, or asking God to change us, right? To make us more like him so that we might live into the same humble attitude that Jesus did towards us. So that's why I started out with, this can be confronting because we all struggle with this from time to time. We all don't want to be wrong, right? We all, you know, we don't want to make mistakes. We don't want to be seen as, as weak or anything like that. So we all, as humans, struggle with these things. But instead of just letting them go or being unaware or just... Another great purpose of church is that you can, together as a community, we're challenged to live into a greater depth of relationship as believers in Jesus Christ. Amen? So embrace that. I encourage all of you to embrace God's word and his challenge to become more like him as we enter into this time of worship. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you, you love us not only enough to send your son, God, into this world to save us, to restore a broken relationship so that we could know and be known by the Father who is in heaven again, not only this life, for the life to come. But God, you don't stop there. You love us and you care about us too much as your sons and daughters. And so today is like this. You challenge us as a parent with a kid lovingly to live into a better way. But God, you've also designed us to live into this better way. So God, we want to fully embrace the way you've spoken to us. In this time of worship, we want to commune with you. We ask that you would continue to speak and change us. Holy Spirit, meet us where we're at. God, we want to surrender pride. We want to surrender arrogance. We want to surrender uh, 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 entitlement. And we ask, God, that we would be a people that are just full of humility and other-centeredness, and kindness, and generosity, and sacrificial, unconditional love. So be exalted in this place right now, Father. Do this heart work in us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.